Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. All right, all right, all right. If you're watching online, good morning to you. Thank you for being here. Good morning. Good morning. I'll say it again because about two of y'all said good morning to me. Good morning. So glad to see your smiling faces and all you people watching online. Thank you. Keep playing a little bit, Casey. Keep playing. I think it's one of the mornings where I just want a little bit of play something soft and metacrational. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, man, I'm, I'm excited uh, to, to share a word with you this morning, but I do want to just talk to you for a second. Um, um, we we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier today, me me and Aaron. Um, and if you're watching online and you're just now tuning in, uh, today is our last live service in this room. Yeah. Um, now some of you watching might be like, why are y'all excited about that? Well, a couple reasons. Um, one is we're about to get more space so we can have uh, a space for our children to have service, have a space of their own where they can create and learn on their level. Amen. I think it's highly important to invest in the next generation. Um, one of the things that when we started, restarted this church that was really important for me really significant detail was that it wouldn't be a one generation church. Amen. Um, what I've noticed is most of the, the new trendy type churches, if there's a tragic accident with the pastor, that church shuts down. And um, I don't want that to happen. I don't want a tragic accident to happen. Amen. Um, but I don't want prevail to die off with me. Amen? Um, if as a, you, you know, listen, think about this as a father, like as a parent, your generation lives on through you. Amen? And so if you don't instill in your children the qualities and the characteristics of um, what you believe can be great significance to the world around you, um, that goes with you. And my mentor used to say, Bishop Tony Miller used to say, uh, he goes, uh, I'm not leaving this earth until all of my potential is out. And um, he said, a lot of people die. The grave is full of rich potential that people never used. Amen? And so uh, I don't want Prevail to be a one-generation church. I want it to be a church that's you know, 100 years down the road, they're like, that's that old modern church prevail. 
you know, the people, you know, our name is like an old school name, and they name it their church like, you know, some random crazy name. TikTok church or something, whatever. You get what I'm saying. Um, I, I just, I want this to be multi-generational. Um, so we don't just focus on, you know, a couple desires that we have here is not just diversity, but multi-generational. You know, diverse in generations, diverse in people and thinking. Um, and, you know, many pastors, churches can't handle that. They want everybody to be the same. And it's easier that way, okay? As a pastor, it would be very easy for me if we all agreed. Come on. I wouldn't have to manage arguments and I wouldn't have to, you know, it'd just be great. If I could just get up and say something and everybody's like, you're right, pastor. But that would be also be a boring life. Amen? Be a life... Uh, just lacking of luster and great and beautiful color that we see in the world. And so I don't want that. So we want Prevail to be multi-generational. We want to be a church that lives on past the legacy of the adults here. It would do my heart good if, if our, one of our kids is standing up and preaching one day. Right? It would, it would bless my soul. I'm an old man sitting in the back of the church with a cigar <laughs> during service. Come on, somebody. Uh, some people just signed off. <laughs> what? <laughs> during service, we got a smoking section in the back. Come on, somebody. It's got a full humor doing everything. I'm just like, I used to like, I'm about to leave if you don't cut that up. <laughs> But it'll do my heart good just to sit and watch our children doing ministry, reaching souls, amen? Me struggling with thinking I'm right, and they're like, no, you old. You ain't right no more, okay? You old school. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, yes, you are. Um, so I want to do that. I want to be that, and I want this church to be that. So I'm excited for where we're headed. So, I, you know, one of the main things that really excites me about a new space is that we get to have space for children, for kids to learn, to explore, to have a great thing. Also, we get to have more space for our community, amen? And uh, if you know anything about Prevail, we're very, very big on having a community here at the church. And, uh, and we do, even at the beginning of our service now, we've built what we call intentional community time. So that first 15 minutes, if you ever come, you might be like, oh, they starting late. No, we starting just right on time. And so we build that in there so everybody can talk and laugh and have a good time. If it's your first time, somebody interacts with you. I Listen, I remember growing, to, growing up and going to churches and everybody would stare at you and wouldn't say a word to you. You walk in, they just look at you. And typically, we were the only black people in the room. So, you know, my mom would just take us to random churches. They, I'm, I'm telling y'all, random. We went to one church and they laughed for 45 minutes straight. Jason know what I'm talking about. Pastor laid on the ground. I'm talking laughing. And it was called a laughing spirit. And I was like, I don't see nothing funny. Maybe the spirit missed me. I had a scared spirit. Like, mama, get me out of here. And, um, and we, but, you know, we would go to these churches and nobody would ever talk to us. They would just look at us. 
and and I don't want that to be the thing here. I want people to be talked to. I want you know what I'm saying. If you're an introvert, we're gonna make you uncomfortable for at least ten minutes, and and you're gonna have to be all right with that because we're gonna talk to you. And we're gonna uh, in the new space. We're gonna get you some good coffee. Amen. Somebody say good coffee. Stephen's watching. Come on, bring that machine back on up here, bro. Um, and and so we're excited about that. So we have time, place for community. We'll also have more space for service and things of that nature. But one of the major things, and I know we're about to have a shout and cut a step and jump over some pews and t- chairs in here. One of the major things, we got AC. I felt that. Y'all don't know because some of the folk that's visiting today, you're here in the cooler part of the summer. When it's hot, 95 degrees, and you come in here and you still have church, and you leave and look like you jumped in a swimming pool, you know you're just, you're just grateful for the air conditioning. Amen? So this week is our, our final week here. If you're watching online and you decide that you want to come visit in the next two weeks, don't do it. Watch online. Amen? It's the first time you'll ever hear, and the only time you ever hear pastors say, don't come visit the next two weeks, okay? Um, and if you do show up, we're going to have signs and stuff on the door to tell you, we love you. Thank you for coming and visit us, but you have to watch us online. And, um, and then the first weekend in October, we will be in our new space, and I think the second or third weekend we're going to celebrate and have a grand opening. So we're excited about that. So all those details will be coming soon. All right? Let me get into the word and then uh, so we can get out of here. Because some of y'all look like you're ready to go eat. And you're just glaring at me. I, uh, we were going to do a series this month, but we decided not to. So I've just been praying and asking God, you know, give me a word to speak whenever you want to speak. And um, um, we're, we're in week two of that, and I, I, I forgot what I talked about last week. But this week, um, thank you, Casey. Um, I just felt like God giving me a word for us that would encourage us. And even last night as I was um, pulling this together, um, I, I just began to, uh, two things happened. One, I was smiling, and two, I was crying because I was just just encouraged by the word that I was reading. And so um, you guys bear with me. We're going we're gonna to get into this thing. Amen? Uh, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 33 uh, through 37. They are going to show up on the screen. If you are, want to just follow along on the screen. It says this, and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. Somebody say youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. 
And when it arose against me, I called it by its beard. Man, that's terrible. (coughs) And struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Somebody say, go and the Lord be with you. I preached a message this morning that I have titled, The Power of the Underdog. Somebody say, The Power of the Underdog. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say. I pray that you would speak through me in Jesus' name. Let your voice be heard. Let your words touch the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's start off with a question. Does it bother you when somebody tells you that you can't or you shouldn't do something? It, it irks my soul when somebody underestimates me. It really gets under my skin when people pass a judgment on me based on what they think I'm capable of. It really bothers me when somebody says I'm unable to do something. I have this this issue, I get very competitive so to speak, I get very much in a, in, a, in a mood where I just want to prove you wrong just so you know you're wrong. Amen? Amen. <laughs> None of y'all like that. Maybe you're not like that. Maybe you're just okay with somebody telling you that you can't and that you shouldn't, and maybe you don't. But I'm not that guy, right? Somebody tells me I shouldn't it could pretty much be anything, and I'm going to research to see if I actually can, and if I can, you better believe I'm going to try. Come on, somebody. And typically, sometimes it gets me in trouble, especially with my car, because I end up, you know, yeah, we'll just leave it there. A brake job that should take 20 minutes takes four days. Come on, somebody. But I absolutely detest when someone says that I can't or I shouldn't do something. It's not that it may not be true. It's not that it may not be accurate. It may be the fact that I actually can't or I shouldn't do something. But when you tell me I can't or I shouldn't, I have a bad reaction to that because in all of us, there is the spirit of the underdog. You get what I'm saying? It's even more bothersome to me that uh, that when you really want to prove them wrong, you know, when somebody says you you shouldn't do something, you really want to prove them wrong, and what bothers me even more is the fact that they might actually be right. (laughs) You ever had somebody say, yo, don't put your hand on the stove, you burn your hand. I have had 
uh, many times in my life, uh, I felt like the underdog. And maybe you have too. Maybe you understand this, this, this feeling all to where maybe you've been in situations or times in your life where you felt like you didn't know all the things you need to know. You didn't have all the resources you need to know. It seemed like the odds were stacked against you. Maybe you felt like the underdog. There have been times where I felt like the underdog, where, where I felt like I'm not smart enough or good looking enough, you know, you know what I'm saying, struggle with that too much, or not the right skin color, you know, or I'm not short enough, you know, because there are situations where I come into the room and people are like, you're not short enough. <laughs> Y'all ain't never been to the original Chick-fil-A? Makes me mad I can't go through the little door. Um, there are times where I feel like I'm not short enough or tall enough or not well-versed enough. Or We've all felt like the underdog. We've all felt like we've been looked over or, or disregarded or kicked to the curb or, 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 or we're just not even being considered because people have a preconceived notion that we're not able. But I want you to know this morning, there's power in being the underdog. See, to be truthful, there's something exhilarating for all of us about being counted out, about being left out, about being told that we can't or we won't or, or, or you know, that we won't win because we know the harder the story, the greater the glory. All of us like watching a movie where there's an apparent underdog because we know at the end it's going to happen for that person. You get what I'm saying? It struggles for me because sometimes I fall in love with the villain in the movie. I'm like, oh man, I feel bad for him. He got beat up by Superman. We love a good underdog story. But there's power in being an underdog. This, uh, this passage of scripture, this, this thing that's happening in the Bible right here, Saul and the Israelites, they're facing the Philistines. They're in the valley of Eli or Elah. Now listen, this is what's going on, all right? Listen to me, twice a day for 40 days, morning and evening, Goliath, who was considered the champion of the Philistines, he would come out in between the lines and challenge the Israelites to send out a champion to fight of their own. And what would happen is if this champion came out and they would fight, that would decide the fate of the battle. I mean, of, of the combat. That would decide who would win. There was a representation for the whole, right? One person showed up, fought one person from the enemy, and if that person won, then victory was considered theirs. Man, it sounds like another story I know about, but I'm not gonna go there yet, I'm not gonna touch on it. Come on, somebody. You know, the enemy likes to send his champion out 
every now and then, fear, whatever it may be. But we had one champion that showed up for us. His name was Jesus. And when he stepped on the scene, he destroyed all the enemies. Amen? Y'all, y'all lit on me. Y'all ain't with me today. Y'all gonna make me preach by myself. That's fine. All right, though. But, but so, so, so this dude is twice a day. He's coming out. 40 days he's coming out taunting like, send me a champion. Come on, who gonna fight me? Goliath out there, he just, you know, straight up G, just like, yo, who wants some? Bring it. My name's Goliath. <laughs> Y'all, I, I pictured that way. He's like, my name's Goliath. Yeah. <laughs> so he's walking out, he's like, just twice a day. Nonchalantly, he just doesn't care. Nobody's challenged him. Nobody's stepped up to the plate. Everybody's scared. Saul, the king, is shaking and scared because they don't have a champion that's willing to fight for them. So twice a day, he's taunting them. He's going out there. And David, this little, as the Bible calls him, Rudy kid, little odd, weird-looking kid, just, he's bringing food for his brothers, and he hears that Goliath has defied the armies of the living God, and he heard that the reward from Saul to the one that defeats him and accepts the challenge, there's a reward for that person. So David decides, I want, I want to take part in this fight. And so Saul reluctantly agrees, but gives him his armor, which David declines. David actually looks at Saul and says, I can't fight with your armor. Amen? I think it's a word for some of us right now because some of us have been trying to fight off demons and devils and things and fear with everybody else's weapons. We cannot fight with everybody else's weapon. We gotta learn what God has for us and what he wants for us and how we need to use it for ourselves, amen. I can't fight with your, I mean, listen, some of you need to look at your parents and say, I love you, but I can't fight with your faith. I gotta fight with my own faith. Y'all quiet in the house of God. Some of you need to turn to your friends, your family members and say, I love you, but I cannot respond like you respond. I gotta respond from a place of faith like I know how I'm supposed to do, amen. I know you run and quit and give up. I know for you it'd be easier to throw in a towel, but I cannot throw in a towel. There's something on the inside of me that won't let me throw in the towel. I got to keep fighting. I got to keep pressing forward because I know there's a better end for me. So David declines Saul's offer for his armor, and he takes only the staff and he takes the sling shot and five smooth stones. Somebody say smooth stones. And David goes out and he confronts Goliath. And there's Goliath, you have to picture this Goliath, this big old dude standing out there. He's got armor on, he's fully ready to battle. And he's got an armor and he's got his javelin and there's David with his staff and sling. It looks like a picture 
where the odds are stacked against David. It does not look like he's going to win. It looks like everything that should happen is going to happen the way that it should happen because look at this. It's not a fair fight. Goliath should definitely win this fight. He has been training all his life. He's out there in battle gear. He's ready. And David's out there with a staff and a sling. Five smooth stones. And then something crazy happens. The Philistine uh, curses David by his gods. And David replies, this is the day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you down. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines to this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And that all the earth may, uh, may know that there's a God in Israel. And that all the, in this assembly may know that God saves not with sword and spear, but for the battle is God's. And he will give you into our hands. And in this moment, David, who should lose this battle, who should not win, who is, it is not fair, is not fixed or in his favor. It's not positioned and it it should not go his way at all. He takes these smooth stones and he fires one off. And the Bible says that it struck Goliath in the center of his forehead. Goliath falls on his face and David cuts his head off. The Philistines flee and then, you know, they're running from the Israelites and, and the Israelites capture him and, and then David takes Goliath's head back to Jerusalem and he gets the reward. This is the narrative here. Here's what you have to understand. There's power in being an underdog. Somebody say power in being an underdog. There's a couple things you have to realize, though, before you understand this, is that David didn't fight for himself. David didn't fight for the reward. The Bible says that David was intrigued, first of all, by the fact that Goliath was defiling, defying the armies of the living God. This was what the drawing for. David decided, I'm not going to fight for something that concerns me. I'm going to fight for something that concerns other people. Amen? And he gets there and he's having this whole conversation and, 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 and he responds to him. He says, I'm going to cut your head off. <laughs> Can you imagine having this conversation with somebody? Man, if somebody got an argument, if I just dropped that in the middle of the argument, I'm going to cut your head off. So everybody will know that God is real. <laughs> I might do that next time. It might make me mad. I'm going to cut your head off. And the world's going to know that Jesus is real. Amen. This is what David says to him. And David looks at him and he says, this ain't get, this, this, listen, this is not about me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to deal with you because I need these people to know that God doesn't just 
He didn't do everything with uh, a sword and spear. He is a God who delivers. He, listen, David essentially said, I'm going to show y'all that God will never, ever be limited by your thinking. And he doesn't have to show up how you think he should show up. And he doesn't have to do it how you think he should do it. And yeah, you out here fighting the way you've always fought. But listen, I'm going to show you that God is able to do something different with different materials and different tools because he is God and God alone. Amen? So he goes and he fights and he takes him out. Takes him out. Now while it's beautiful to celebrate this whole thing, something that intrigued me about this scripture, this passage, is that David makes a statement early in it to Saul that it's easy to look over. Saul's telling David, I don't think you can do it. You know, go sit down somewhere. You're a young person. This dude been training, you know, since you were not even thought about. You probably shouldn't be out here, bro. And David looks at him and says this. This is what David said. He said, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion bear came and took a lion out of the flock, I went after it, struck it, and killed it and delivered it from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Somebody say, like one of them. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David begins to show us a picture of where the power of an underdog comes from. If you understand how to grow, listen to me, when you're not seen. If you understand how to fight and learn how to fight, listen now, when you're not seen in obscurity, your power of the underdog grows. Are you catching what I'm saying? So David, essentially he said, when nobody knew what was going on in my life, and a lion or a bear would show up, come on somebody, when it didn't matter, when I wasn't going to get any accolades, when I wasn't going to get any rewards, when nobody was going to clap for me, nobody was going to say anything, my, my own father wouldn't even know, when that's when it mattered to me, that when that, during that time, when I could have just let the lion go, I could have let the lamb be gone, I ran after the lion and the bear, and I struck it, I fought for it, because listen, what I learned is that in my obscurity, I had an opportunity to grow. Amen. Many of us, we, can I just say some stuff? Y'all ready for this? Somebody strap your seatbelt on. Many of us, we don't find it important to engage in process until we're going to get some recognition. Amen. Many of us don't find it important to engage in, with our family until we're having a tragedy on the other side. 
Oh, we, oh, oh we, it's getting real tight. Many of us, come on somebody, don't think it's okay to love somebody, huh, until they're gone. And David essentially said, no, no, no. When nobody saw me, when nobody was aware of what was going on, when nobody, you know, nobody would have clapped for me, nobody would have been shouting my name and raising, oh my God, and David, this, that. No, when they didn't see me, I still fought with the same tenacity. I still went after the lion with the same tenacity because I cared for the lamb just like I care for God's people. I cared about my father's house just like I care about God's house. I cared. And so I would chase after and I would go out there in obscurity because then it was important just like it is now. Amen. Somebody say obscurity. The power of the underdog grows in obscurity. I got a couple of things I want to say to us before we leave. It's this. Obscurity will define relationships. Somebody say define relationships. Listen, it's in the times of your life when nobody's paying attention to you, you need to recognize who's paying attention to you. Amen. I wrote this down, during this time, while obscurity, when nobody can see what's going on, when nobody knows really what's going on with you, this is the time to recognize, to learn, to know who to fight for and who will fight for you. Amen. It's in the moments where you're in the background that you need to learn to define the relationships that matter. All of us want to be successful. All of us want to be out front. But here's, here's the thing. When you get out front, people show, out the, show up out the woodworks wanting to be your friend. Amen. Oh, hey, Pastor Brad. How your church doing? Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. You didn't talk to me when I had two people. Now you want to show up. Come on, somebody. You ain't, you, well, y'all, listen, I'm gonna tell y'all something, because this, this, this has happened to me before. I'm this young, young bug and nobody wants to talk to me. And then they see some, some stuff on social media, the church growing. Oh, I, I feel like God told me to mentor you. No, he didn't. Come on, some, y'all. Y'all, y'all want me to be fake. Y'all better stop watching. Y'all better watch out for these preachers. Be talking about God want me to mentor you. No, he don't. No, he ain't told me that. Amen. <laughs> right. Because you mentor me when I'm in success, but when you mentor me when I fail. Will you kick me to the curb when I don't get it, have it all together? Amen. Will you love me when I'm broken? Will you love me when I'm going through something? Or do you want to just be here when I'm successful? Obscurity will define relationships. Listen, it also, it, it, listen, you, you gotta know, because it'll teach you who to fight for as well. Amen. Because many of us have been fighting for people and for places and for things 
that we really should just let it go on and die. Amen. Oh, it's quiet in the house of the Lord. That was good. Well, you, you heard that noise. Oh. No, I'm just saying, I ain't going to do that. Sometimes we be fighting for stuff we shouldn't fight for. We fight battles that have no spoils. We fight battles all the time that have no rewards. Fight just to fight. You know why? Because we messy, full of drama. And if there's peace, we got to throw some drama in the middle of the room. But obscurity will teach you to define relationship. It will also teach you to birth selfish, selfless passion. When David was not being seen, David still went after the lamb and he fought the lion and the bear and he killed it and he did it because he had selfless passion. He cared about the things that his father cared about. He cared about making sure that his father's sheep were okay. So you know what he decided? He decided, I'm going to place others first. You know, I've learned about church and about Christians, a lot of times we want to be first ourselves and we want everybody to be behind us. Come on. I love you if you support me. If you don't, kick rocks. Amen. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, put your brother first. Love one another. Put somebody out in front of you. Listen, when he was in the obscurity, he learned the value of placing value on people above himself. Love your neighbor as, you, as yourself. Right? Listen, this is all scripture. David learned to place other people first. A true sign to me of a believer is a person who values another person. First. Amen? Now listen, I'm not saying they're in situations where you need to check on yourself first. Amen? Because some of us, you know, we be trying to check on everybody and we just be struggling. Honey, you need to go sit down somewhere and deal with you. But there are moments, and we need to recognize that the, the theme of our life should be that we place others out front. I got to learn. I got to work on this concept. I'm telling you, I'm not perfect. When I get in traffic, I don't, it's me. I'm, nobody else is first. You might be the first to get cussed out if you cut in front of me. Y'all looking at me like you don't cuss. Okay, Whatever. I know you glow in the dark. I don't. Obscurity will burst selfless passion. The other thing is this. Obscurity will ignite, I wrote this down, fearless courage. In this moment, you will learn how to fight for yourself. Listen, David said, when I went after him, 
I delivered, I took the lamb out of his mouth and, and, and I got the lamb. And when they turned on me, Come on, when they turn on me. Have you ever had a situation in your life where somebody, you, you know, you show up for somebody else and you help out this friend and then all of a sudden it seemed like everybody just turned on you? When I, oh, so now you think you better than us? No, 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 no. When they turned on me, he said, when they turned on me, I would turn around and kill them. I would take them out. Why? Because I have fearless courage. I'm not going to be scared of an enemy that steps in my way. I'm not going to be scared of a situation. I don't care what it is, what it looks like. I'm going to stand up for myself. Amen. And we have to learn in obscurity how to stand up for ourselves, how to fight for ourselves, how to value ourselves. We have been told so many times by so many people, and sometimes the church folks and pastors and everybody else, that we're not good enough, we're not this and we're not that. You got to learn how to stand up for yourself and say, you know what? I am exactly who God made me to be, and I'm confident in this, and I'm okay with it, and I'm going to enjoy my life, and I'm going to enjoy everything that God's given me while I have the time, while I have the moments because listen you don't know we live in a time right now you don't know when your last day could be amen so we got to learn how to enjoy the moment and you got to learn how to fight for yourself as I get older my attitude you know it I don't know if it's just a rite of passage uh, you know when your age changes <laughs> but I get to the point where I'm like I'm more direct now with people. I used to be like, oh, you know. And that's why I asked because I'm like, no, you suck, bye. You know, and <laughs> but I'm learning. Listen, I'm learning the importance of embracing what God has given me and enjoying it in the moment. Amen? There's a, there, is, there is great uh, concern that we don't know how to celebrate the small victories. And we talked about this before. Great things happen in our life, we just move on. But we got to learn how to celebrate. Amen? You got to learn how to fight for yourself. In obscurity, you learn that. Here's the other thing. Obscurity will... Shift your perspective. Somebody say shift your perspective. I love the last thing David said to Saul. He said, this Philistine will be like one of them. (laughs) This Philistine, although he's trained and he's a warrior and he's doing all these things, I'm going to treat him just like I treated the lion and the bear. Because listen, here's what you have to learn. It's, it never matters what you face or what you're going up against. What matters is the mindset you have when you're going up against something. If you believe you're a winner, you will be a winner in every situation. Even when you don't win. 
if you know what I mean. Listen, if you believe you're a loser, you'll be a loser in every situation, even when you're clearly the winner. Because your mindset will always tell you and bring you back to what you believe about yourself. David said, I'm going to look at him and he's going to be just like one of them. Why? Because I learned, my mind in that moment learned that it doesn't matter what comes my way, I'm going to fight like a champion now, like I did then. You understand? Wrote this down. Every giant, somebody say this, every giant looks the same when you've learned to win in obscurity. So it doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter what you come up against. It doesn't matter what the, you know, people tell you, what life tells you, what situations tell you, what the, the enemy says to you. It doesn't matter what your mind speaks. It doesn't matter what this chatterbox in this head of yours says about you. You have learned that in every situation, God is God and God is still good and I am still victorious and I'm going to stand up in that victory because why? I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that Jesus won it all for me long time ago on the cross and I understand that even in this moment facing this giant this giant is no different from the last giant and that giant was no different from that for, the giant before that you get what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what battle I go through, every battle belongs to the Lord and if I'm a winner then I can be a winner now if he did it then he can do it now if he delivered me then he'll deliver me Amen. So when I get this mindset, I realize there's power in being an underdog. I realize there's power in being counted out. I realize there's power in learning in obscurity. I realize there's power that when nobody's paying attention to me, God is still working on me. I realize there's a power that when I seem to be down and out and it doesn't look like it's going to work out, that God is still on my side, still making it work in, in, in my favor. I realize there's, a, there's a, a huge opportunity for me to view my setbacks as God's way of sowing up in my life. There's a huge opportunity as a way for me, God, for me to look at my, my obstacles as opportunities and not be cast down and thrown to the side. I don't have to give up when I know that there's power in being an underdog because I know I've journeyed through this battle and I've journeyed through that battle and I've come through this and that, yeah, they said that about me and yeah, they kicked me to the curb and yeah, they threw me to the side, but I know God was still with me the whole time. Yeah, the things didn't work out over here like I thought they would, but God was still on my side. Yeah, it didn't come out like I thought it would, but God was still. Yeah, I lost the friendship. I lost the relationship, but God still was on my side. Because there's power in being an underdog. There's power in journeying through a situation, a trial, where you should be done and taking out, and you should be sad, and you should be down and out, and you should have gave up, and you would have had every right to give up, and nobody would have questioned you, but you kept going. Why? Because you understood. I have been through other things, and I still made it. 
I still made it. I'm still here. So you know what? This, this giant standing in front of me today, this thing standing in front of me taunting me, telling me I'm not good enough, telling me that it's over, telling me that I haven't done enough, telling me that, that, my, that my life is insignificant and doesn't matter, this thing that keeps saying that it's not going to work out, this thing that keeps just fighting and causing strife and causing issues all of this stuff I can look at it and say you know what I see you buddy and you are just like this lion and bear and guess what I killed him I'm about to take you out too one of my favorite songs is written by Fred Hammond's no weapon formed against me shall prosper that's scripture Some of us need to learn how to stand up every morning and begin to declare the word of the Lord of ourselves. You need to stand up this morning and say, you know what? No weapon formed to me against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me shall fall. I don't care what I'm facing this morning. God is still God and God is still good. Listen, you need to stand up and say, I declare over myself that I am healed. I am whole. I am made righteous. I am God's loved one. I am God's. He loves me unconditionally. He cares for me. I don't care what it is. I don't care what you think about me. I know who my redeemer is and I know he lives and he loves me. Man, if we could get that mindset, woo! Can you imagine if you stood up every day realizing that no matter what comes my way today, it's going to be a good day. I might have some, some trials. Somebody might get on my nerves. Somebody might cut me off in traffic. Amen. But my day ain't finna be tow up. Every battle I've gone through has prepared me for the moment I'm in. Amen? Come on, can we stand for a moment just... Just for a moment, stretch your hands toward heaven, close your eyes. And I want you just for a moment, I just want you to begin to just talk to God and say, God, thank you for every trial, every tribulation. Thank you for everything that I've had to go through. Thank you, God, because it's made me better. It's made me greater. It's made me appreciate things more. It's made me look at life differently. It's shifted my perspective. God, I know you are real because I have seen you deliver me time after time over and over. I know that you are good because I know you've been good to me over and over. I know that you are righteous because I've seen your righteousness work in my life over and over. I know that you are amazing because I've experienced your amazing grace over and over. I know that you're delivered because you deliver me over and over. I know that you're a healer because you healed me over and over. I should be dead and gone, but you saw fit to let me live when when everything says I should be out of here. You said, no, I'm not done with you yet. My God. Oh, lift your voice just for a moment and just begin to thank God for his grace and his mercy. If you're watching online, I want you to put everything down and raise your hands and begin to say, God, I thank you for you are amazing. You are a good God and I am so grateful for you. 
Hallelujah. I know I'm doing a lot of screaming and yelling, but man, let me tell you something. If you've been through what I've been through, you wouldn't be quiet either. for using the moments that we thought were insignificant to grow us. I thank you. We love you for it. We are grateful for it. And we will forever, forever worship you and lift you up. I pray, God, that on the sound of my voice, if there's anybody in this room, God, that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, Talk in their heart right now. God, give them the opportunity to step in that relationship with you, to deepen that will. You're not asking for perfection. You're just asking for a relationship. Thank you, God. Thank you. I just, I just pray that you, that you would be with us all. Whatever's going on in our lives, whatever we're facing, whatever we're dealing with, I thank you that we'll see your grace and your hand and your mercy. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.